The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Come on into the shed and have a seat with Mickey, JJ, Kurt, Chris, and Joe as we officially kick off our newest Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition campaign. We're using the Pathfinder Adventure Path, Curse of the Crimson Throne, for this one. Enjoy the podcast! Hi, and welcome to The Shed for Adventures from The Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes and Facebook. Just look us up on the internet and you will find us. We are here in The Shed to kick off a new adventure today, which I will let you know more about once we go around the table and say hi, starting with... Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. Hello, everybody. This is Mickey's better half, You wish. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, it's Chris. Hey... This is Mickey's secret lover, Kurt. Mm. Secret lover. Also, JJ's secret lover. Not anymore. (laughs) Not so much secret. Oh, wow. And I am Joe. I will be the Dungeon Master as we're kicking off a new Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign. We are actually going to use the Pathfinder Adventure Path of Curse of the Crimson Throne for this Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign. And in addition to that, we are using something else that we had from our last session together. The characters we made for each other. We, we will be meeting these characters shortly, uh, but somebody, I think Kurt, has volunteered, no, no, JJ had volunteered to read us a paragraph about the, the Corvosa, which is the city that we are starting in. Corvosa has long stood as the first bastion of civilization on the wild frontier of Varicia. Yet tragedy seems to haunt the city's royal bloodline. Few of her rulers rule for long, and none have lived to the ripe old age dying instead well before their time. Heirs to the throne are few and far between. In its 300-year history, no king of Corvosa has directly inherited the Crimson Throne from his father. This is the source of much gossip and tail-spinning among the city's citizens, who speak in hushed tones of what they, of what they have come to call the curse of the Crimson Throne. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun! <laughs> All right. The the adventure starts up with our characters, um, who we'll meet in a moment. They're going to be waking up from a dream in which they had um, they were a princess and a thief and a bard and a, a crazy arm wrestling barbarian, and they had met up and gone and beat up some orcs and found uh returned some some booty back to the city that they were living in i said booty and when they wake up from this dream they find next to them in their rooms a note who wants to be the first one that goes to respond to the note because you're going to be the one to read it all right kurt you it's an audio podcast buddy all right so uh (laughs) Just nodding and raising your hands. So Crispin... <laughs> you want fries with that? Crispin, who is a... Do I want fries with that? It's a joke. Mm-hmm. Do you nod when you're at the drive-thru? Or do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, Crispin, who uh, listeners may recall, is a short little halfling barbarian who thinks he's seven feet tall. Uh-huh. Uh, wakes up, uh, notices his tattoos all over his arms, feels a little achy, maybe from... Fighting all those orcs in his sleep and rolls over to light the candle on his little bedside table and sees a note on a kind of old parchment lying there next to the to the unlit candle. And he strikes his match, lights the candle, and it says, 
I know what Gadrin has done to you. He has wronged me as well. I know where he dwells, yet cannot strike at him. Come to my house at Lancet Street at sunset. Others like you will be there. Gadrin must face his fate, and justice must be done. Indeed. So, uh, Crispin's going to be the first one to go there. Okay. Okay. And I will, I will read you the information about that home. So, you, you reach, and uh, this, this is sent to you from... Uh, hold on a second. Say a little more about your character, Kurt. Sure. <clears throat> so just as a refresher, uh, I'm playing Crispin, who is a uh, lightfoot halfling barbarian. It's the first time I have played a barbarian. Uh, he loves arm wrestling. Uh, he loves fighting, but um, has remorse immediately after going into a rage and killing anything. Um, and he... I'm, I'm just, Thinking here, just uh, we're kind of converting yeah. over on the rules to D and D. So I'm looking at what some of his skills are and things. Yeah. But it sounds like you're all set. So. Yeah. So on the ba- on the back of that note is the address. Okay. Okay. It's like, and well, it's at Lancet Street. So. Yes. Uh, well, there there's the address, and it is for uh, uh, Zalara, um, who is a fortune teller in, okay. in the city. And when you arrive, uh, you go in. the The doors open, and the interior of this humble home consists of a single cozy chamber filled with a fragrant haze of flowers and strong spice. The aroma comes from several sticks of incense smoldering in wall-mounted burners that look like butterfly-winged elves. The smoke gives the room a dreamy feel. The walls are draped with brocaded tapestries, one showing a black-skulled beast juggling human hearts, and another showing a pair of angels dancing atop a snow-blasted mountain. A third tapestry on the far wall depicts a tall, hooded figure shrouded in mist, holding a flaming sword in a skeletal hand. Several brightly colored rugs cover the floor, but the room's only furnishings are a wooden table covered by a bright red throw cloth and several elegant tall-backed chairs. A basket covered by blue cloth sits under the table. And on the table, you see this note, the bottom one. I'll just hand it to you because it's in the book. Thank you for coming. I had to step out for a bit, but shall return shortly. Please have a seat while you wait. The basket under the table contains bread and drink for you. So under the table is indeed bread and um, some wine. Ah. And others will be showing up shortly. Who wants to go next? I'll get next. Okay, so how does um, Greg wake up uh, to I find w- this note? I wake up from a dream, and since we had the dream about orcs and rescuing wine, I'm right down, spill the wine, dig that girl. Okay. <laughs> Try to remember that for next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I guess I check out this. How did the note arrive? It just, I woke just up. There. I kind of look under the, my bed and around the room. Nobody that you didn't expect. The window's left open. <laughs> no. Just a, a I, note sm- I smell there. the note. Any- it smells faintly of uh, incense. Mm. Yes. A little tongue. Taste it with a little Tastes bit. Tastes like burnt stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Like, well, incense. Uh, was it Lancet Never Street? Never tasted incense. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Never tasted incest either. I'll, hur- I'll hurry up and get dressed. <laughs> That's what and- I almost said. I'll hurry up and get dressed and make my way to, uh, is it Lancet Street? Is that what it was? Yep. So when you arrive... You walk in and you see Crispin. What does Crispin look like for when Greg shows up? And what does Greg look like for Crispin? Go ahead, Kurt, you first. Yep. So Crispin is, uh, compared to humans and elves, is sh- short, being a halfling. 
He's got uh, intricate tattoos kind of from the neck down over what you can see of his chest and arms. Um, he wears kind of a leather, a simple leather vest and kind of breeches or, or half pants that come just below the knee and uh, has a axe kind of leaned up against the seat next to him that he probably always carries with him. Okay. And what does Greg look like? I'm a tall, lanky fellow with a fancy hat with a feather in it. Looks like I, I, I have clothes that I want to be fancy, but I can barely afford them. So I, I probably spend way too much money on clothes, and I really shouldn't. That's why I'm probably thin because I'm not really eating that money anytime. <laughs> Spending all my money on fancy clothes. And I have a small violin, but I don't really have a bow. I have a short bow that I use to strike it. Would <laughs> <laughs> you walk in playing? No, well, I'll all just right. pluck it every once in a while. There we go. Uh, okay, so who's going to arrive next? Um, I just want to do the introductions quick, or, or the views quick, and then I want you guys to talk about why you think you're here. Once so Ashley arrives. will wake up next. Um, he he wakes up and he notices that his bed is empty. Um, the The woman that he had managed to bed with last night and provide him lodging um, uh, is gone, must, must have been gone about her day, and he sees this note and reads it and... He's very curious as to how it arrived. He thinks it's from the woman, um, but doesn't know for certain. So he is going to assume that well, this it is does, just another... It does have Zalara's name and address on it. Okay, Unless you slept with a fortune teller last night. I did not. Um, okay. But uh, he, he doesn't know this is some kind of game. Oh, or, it could very well be a game. Yeah, so yes. he's like, ooh, the game is afoot. And uh, we'll and we'll pr- proceed to the the house that is described in the note. So we know what the other two look like. What does um what does Ashley look like for to the others as he walks into the um, fortune teller's home? Ashley looks uh he looks very well kept. Um, however, you don't seem to see like any kind of uh place for him to store his valuables. Um. It looks like either he has been either gifted everything he owns or has stolen everything he owns. Um, he doesn't seem to have any. He sees the basket of bread and, and yeah. immediately and starts wine. devouring yeah. the yeah. them. So um, the wine, the wine, by the way, is not fine wine, but it's good. It's good enough. Yeah. Um, but he's he's fairly. Uh, <laughs> he likes his wine like his women. Good enough. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> If they provide a warm bed, that's all that matters, right? Uh, but yeah, he's blonde hair, uh, green eyes, kind of tall and lanky. Um, like I said, his armor is, it's not, it looks like it was at one time it was well polished, but it's fall, slowly falling in disrepair simply because whatever armor breaks for him, he just either finds or steals another set. So is it like patchwork leather? No, it's it, it it looked like it was once fine leather. Okay. And now it's slowly falling into disrepair. Like he's he's he kind of looking at it. it going like Yeah, he doesn't care for it, exactly. He lets it kind of and then just buys another gets another piece. Another appropriates set. another set. Okay. Was it Tana? Veritana. Right, but I think you were starting Tana to Tana for Tana. short. Yeah. Only okay. my friends call me Tana. Everyone okay, else. Okay, I'll call you Veritana. Sorry. So Veritana is startled awake, and she's uh, kind of, what the hell? Princess? What's wrong with me? (laughs) What is wrong with me? I'm no princess. Like, you know, startled awake, the bed is all in disrepair, kicks Mm -hmm. the covers off, going, what? What What the hell? Orcs? 
I shouldn't eat late at night. That's it. That's it. So she finds the note and immediately is very, it's on high alert, like looking around the room, trying to figure out how someone got into her bedroom to leave this note, but is curious enough to actually go to the, um, to the meeting place at three Lancet street. Okay. Walking and in. What do the others see? Veritone is very sensible. Like if you had to describe Ver- a word that comes to mind when seeing her as sensible, her clothing is shoulder pads, st- pantsuit, sturdy, yeah. um, sturdy, well worn. Like yeah, well, as a wizard, what what clothing does she wear? Because I'm she thinking wears, no armor, right? No, no armor. Right. She wears um, pants, not fitted pants, kind of like loose. I'm sorry, I've got a cold. Pantaloons. Pantaloons. Um, a what do they call that? Tabard, because front and that's back the one on both sides. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the one that like goes over chainmail or something. That's right. belted. Okay. Um, she will wear a, a light cloak that yeah. has a hood that she can pull up, and gloves, traveling gloves that she's got tucked into her her um, okay. waist belt cinchy thing. Sensible clothing. Sensible clothing. Um, she's prepared for travel because she has a, a feeling that this is not going to end here. <laughs> Um, from as far as appearance, she wears her hair closely cropped, not super long. Cause that's just not sensible. Right. Sharp eyes to see her. She like, she quickly appraises the room. She looks at everyone in the room and kind of mm-hmm. gauges where they are. Cautious okay. and sensible. So now everyone has seen each other, and I presume, you know, in the background, a couple of introductions have gone on, but let's treat it as everyone's going to introduce themselves to um, Tana, Veritana, as she arrives, Veritana. and she will probably introduce herself as well. So let's do that, and I'd also like to cover the traits you picked, because you're going to find that you have a common interest for being here, being the notes, and go into that. Ah, the princess. How you doing there, honey? Honey? <laughs> now, in the dream, she was a princess. We all had the same dream. It, it's, we're about to find that out. I just want to make sure that that was out there. And who are you? Do we recognize them as looking like the people from our dream? Yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Unless you guys say yeah, your appearance is drastically different, then no. It should be the same person, and you would recognize them. So, yeah, that's how, that's how, uh, that's how Ashley would, you know, he's like, ooh, hello. How you doing there, honey? Princess? Honey, we are not familiar enough for you to refer to me that way. What are you talking sir? about? I saw you in my dreams last night. Like that would <laughs> that's, that's, cool. that's quite a big up line there, my friend. <laughs> I saw you in my dreams last night. I've tried that one a few times, and all it's gotten me is a mug of ale upside the head. So, um, Crispin. you, you look really familiar, but I've never met you before. This is, this is very odd. I remember calling all of you to an adventure in my dream, but I do not recall... Making this meeting this morning. Is it the morning or after? Uh, morning? Like so we'll say it's morning. Sometime late morning. What are we all doing here? Why are you? I got a note to come here. That, As did I. I also received a note. Did your note look like this? Yes, it was a very good penmanship. <laughs> it's, just, it's perfect. It's almost like it was a font. Yes. <laughs> it, yes, odd. you all have the so same note. Any we more have of those, the same uh, note in the same shared dream. Definitely not coincidence. Eh, whatever. I right, um, gonna. Anyone want some bread? Is there any left after you've woofed it? 
How do you know I wolfed it? It's like um, yesterday or the day before is bread. The wine isn't yeah. fine wine, but it's all fine. No, normal food, I should say. Do you normally eat food and drink that I'm you are not fam- familiar with? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you afraid that it could be poisoned? Or Who wants to poison me? Okay. We're, we're about to learn. You're, you're, we'll call you the test subject. What's the woman's name? Zalara. Zalara. Does anyone know yeah. Zalara? I, can, I don't, and I'm a little worried the fact that we've had the same dream and received the same note, and now we're in this room with tapestries yeah. of evil forces and well, evil and magic. good. Yeah. So you're both. That's right. But uh, I don't know what's happening here. I'd like to examine the room to see if there's anything odd. I'd like to examine the room to see if there's anything worth stealing. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to eat the bread and wine. Um, I do want you, as you guys are doing this, um, go into the reasons why you're here or why you think you may have been called together, i.e., mm-hmm. talk about the traits. Right, right, right. Let's do the, some little ex- so, expose. So if, 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 if we're <laughs> to believe this note, then you all have been wronged by Lamb in some way. Um, I mean, I'll volunteer the fact that he he recruited me as a child, and after a couple too many mistakes, I uh, I got tortured by him and thrown and cast 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 aside. How long ago was that? Oh, many years ago. Um, I've been on my own now for about fourteen years, but I've been waiting for waiting for a chance to strike back at him and. You peeps are like-minded. You peeps are like-minded. You mean those small marshmallowy birds? I love those. I like that. I'm, I'm going to take that one. That might be a good title. Well, I um, I never knew my parents. Uh, sad, 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 woeful tale. Pity me, pity me. But uh, I was raised by nomads in the area who were actually very, very kind to not only me, but to a number of children and uh, one of my best friends was a boy named, we, well, we called him Talon, and he disappeared, and we're quite certain he was abducted by Graydon. And I've always wanted a chance to get back at him or to find Talon, but I've never had the opportunity. And seeing that in the note uh, gave me reason to at least come and hear what, what's being proposed. This lamb character murdered my lover, Claire. No, I have many lovers, of course, but she was my favorite. I'm very upset. <laughs> she was your favorite. She was. So um, you're like a tomcat. You, know, you, you, you roam, but you always come back to your favorite spots. My tail's not as woeful as yours. But this well, it will be a little better to hear when you lift the microphone up, though. How's that? Is that better? That is. Thank you, Mickey. Not as woeful as yours, but this lamb does owe me a debt. He tried to destroy my father. By accusing him of something he did not do. In the end, it, the truth came to light, but he still must pay for the time. <laughs> Mickey, you're not well today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really, can you tell? Yeah. I really like the accusing him. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice. Um, so as you guys are finishing up your stories... An attractive, middle-aged, Verizian woman with long, dark hair uh, walks through the door and greets you. And she, she says, I am Zalara. Thank you for coming. Uh, and thank you for putting up with my unconventional method of contacting you. I have reason to remain hidden, you see. 
A vicious man would see great harm done to me if he knew I was reaching out for help. This man had done something terrible to each of you as well. I speak, of course, of Gadron Lamb, a man whose cruelty and capacity to destroy the lives of those he touches are matched only by his gift for avoiding reprisal. You see, a year ago, his thieves stole this, my harrow deck, from me. And she shows you a deck, um, a what looks like a deck of cards. It is important to me, an heirloom passed down through a dozen generations, and also my sole means of support. When Lamb's pickpocket stole it, my son Aaron tracked them down and returned my deck to me, but Gadron had him followed, and soon after he left my home, Gadron's thugs murdered him. I sought help from the Corvosan guard, but they turned me away, and so I asked around, I paid bribes, I consulted my harrow deck for advice, and recently I was rewarded. I find out, found out where Gadron dwells. He can be found in an old fishery north of here at West Pier 17, where he trains abducted children to be pickpockets and counts his stolen treasures. But I need your help. I cannot hope to face this man on my own, and the guard moves so slow that if they were willing to help, Gadron would certainly know of their coming well in advance. And even if they arrested him, what guarantee would I have he would be punished? This criminal had evaded the law for decades, but you know of these frustrations as well. For word on the street has it that Gadron has wronged each of you too. So there we are. It's time for him to pay. Yeah, the Corvosian guards pretty useless around here apparently. They can't do anything, right? They're slow to act. Yeah. They're, they have their hands um, in all kinds of things trying to uh, keep things stable with uh, the king's health and decline. And they're not, um, they're not ready and quick to act against crime lords like Gadron. So, Ashley, do you have any contacts with your old friends? Perhaps I have that to are still check. working yeah, for Yeah, I have to check. Um, a l- he, he, he prefers children. So once, once adults are, uh, you know, w- once, once reaching adulthood, they kind of cuts contact with them. Gotcha. No one expects children to steal, you know? Oh, I always expect them to yeah. steal. They always, no one expects the children Spanish Inquisition. I mean, I got no problem punching a five-year-old. The fluffy bullets. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. That's kind of it's, uh, harsh. Well, it they're, they're going to try to steal from me. <laughs> Ain't no one above an ass whooping. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. <laughs> so as you guys start talking, she says uh, she tells you she wants to perform a harrowing for you. It's like a tarot card reading type of thing. Ooh, ooh, me first. And she takes out her deck and starts dealing cards in front. Um, I thank her for the wine and bread. Yeah, I haven't eaten for a couple. Of <laughs> she's very happy to have provided them for you and i don't have the the actual cards right now so i'm going to use the the rules they have for doing this without a deck so you guys keep talking while i while you do some start of this yeah crispin where are you from again uh that's an excellent question <laughs> from the nomad <laughs> your, tattoos, your tattoos are very interesting yeah. do you know their meaning uh you know i i actually don't I don't. I never knew my parents, uh, and I've had them as long as I can remember. So I mean, that's got to be worse than punching a five-year-old. Like, yeah, tattooing a five-year-old? As, as like, a young, good Lord. Exactly. So. You were tattooed as a young person? I, I was. So I've added a How little bit awesome. over time. But the core tattoos I've had as long as I can remember, and I don't yet know their meaning. Can I look at them a little? Can I, do you, will you allow me to examine them a little bit closer? She just wants to get your pants. So Ashley was first. Um, So this is happening while you guys are talking. She places the trumpet card in front of Ashley, which is a declaration of power, and says, clearly you will rise to great power in Corvosa. I knew that. (laughs) 
<laughs> How much time I don't? She know, looks lady. under the next person while you guys continue talking Great. about tattoos and stuff. Um, sure, you can look at them. She examines them, looks a little closer. These are very fascinating. I'm going to have to look in through my my books to see if I can find their origin. But it looks quite painful. You must be quite strong to have endured such a long process. Well, what's interesting is I don't remember anything before I was taken by the nomads who raised me. And I should. I should have memories of you know, at least some of my early years. But um, I was probably six or seven years old when they found me. And I don't remember anything before that time. Did you already have the tattoos before this? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't remember my parents at all. I don't remember getting the tattoos. I don't parents know. are overrated. <laughs> so, who's getting the next card? I'll do it. Okay. So she places the joke card down in front of you, the bard. And Spit up my wine. The joke is uh, traditionally referred to as danger overcome by artifice. So you will find a way to overcome some great danger here in Curvosa using your instruments. I mean, at, at most, uh, you know, as a child, I was circumcised. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine going through a tattooing process, especially over your whole body. Well, as I said, it's you know, I'm not a stupid person, and I should. Is it remember. your whole body? <laughs> I should remember these. So I've always suspected that someone has used some sort of sorcery to mess with my my memories, and uh, perhaps it was because the pain was so severe that I could not remember. I don't. Ooh. I don't know. I've heard of that. I think it's called trauma. <laughs> Who gets the next so, card? I will. Oh. Oh, Kurt was first. Kurt, she sets down the card, the big sky before you. The big sky. And says, the big sky is, is, uh, traditionally symbolizes freedom from bondage. There must be something holding you back that you are about to break free from. It is your stature, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps it is your height. <laughs> big sky for the little guy. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's looking at Mickey while she's coughing instead of talking. <laughs> Sorry, Mickey. Um, the wine's not that bad. <laughs> Perhaps uh, some water for the lady. Uh, she does seem very proper. Perhaps she's never learned to drink. I could certainly help with that. <laughs> sure I mean, I'm no could. dwarf, but we still like our wine. Sure you could. <laughs> what else is going on there? All right, so Mickey, the last one. She sets the juggler card down before you. And says, um, this is a very good omen for you, because the juggler tr- um, symbolizes that fate is on your side. Clearly, the, the gods and the fates are in alignment to help you succeed in this task. I've found that preparation helps in that as well. You seem pretty sensible. Your clothing is sensible. I try to be. Practicality has served me well. <laughs> Hold on, are you practical or sensible? Which is it? Pra- <laughs> <Both>. Pragmatic. <laughs> Practical. Practical. Sensical. Sensical. You are sensical. What? Um, so she would like uh, like you guys to go to the old fishery and um, take care of Gadron Lamb. Is there any other help you can provide besides the location? Um, only that he is dangerous, as you all know, so be careful. Be on your guard. I got a few. Uh, I, I got cannot a few help scars. I like to give him before. Yeah. What'd you say? Hmm? I missed it. What? 
I, li- I got a few scars I need to give him. You know? oh. Maybe some of these matching ones. Yeah, I'd like to put a knife in his back that he did to my lover. Whoa. What? Oh, <laughs> that I mean, escalated quickly. Was that? <laughs> <laughs> It'll leave a scar. <laughs> it will. I'm not sure. I mean, scar- scarring scarring typically has a healing process. I'm not sure a knife in the back will allow for that. Just the tip. I have no idea where my friend Talon is, or if he might be with Gadrin. But I'd still like a chance to find him and uh, hurt the man who hurt me. Sounds like a plan. Um, The old fishery, as she mentioned, was at West Pier Seventeen, and it is north of where she lives. Now there is in that handout there is a a map of Corvosa, but to be honest, it's right in the uh, yeah right in the back of the cover there. But I haven't really looked to see where things were. But if you happen to find, does she have a number for her establishment? West Pier (laughs) Seventeen, or it would be to the north, and it would be on the water. So it's going to be up there somewhere. Yep. I, hadn't, I hadn't looked enough a to see. Here yep. is near the water. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. It's got to be. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Sounds reasonable. Now, I don't have a map to hand out to you guys, but I do have one for myself, so suck it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, interestingly, uh, the 17th pier is marked 09 on this map. Uh, probably because it's location 9 in my book. Right, that would guys. make sense. Um, that's, a, that's a really good point. I'll bet you it is. Huh. Anyway. Where are we at right now? That's the thing. Although, actually, it's considered A in the book. Oh. Anyway, we're there. I'll use the... Uh, is there anything you guys need to do to prepare? Well, you know what? I, one thing I didn't say earlier. Um, mark <laughs> on your character sheet that you have 25 gold to start. That's what we're going to start. Ooh, that in your normal equipment. So what I did to create these characters... Um, in Hero Lab that I used is I just did the weapons and armor for free, but you still had some starting gold. So we're going to say that you had 25. Okay. Everybody each would have 25. So if, you, if there was anything you wanted to buy uh, or have before we get started, please let me know so we can do that before you actually go to the old fishery. Um, because if it weren't obvious enough, you're about to have your first encounter. So for me, um, when we made uh, Crispin in Dungeon World, he had the, like, I can't remember what it's called, but it was unencumbered trait where by not wearing armor, he got a bonus. Um, yeah, I think that's a, like a, a built-in thing with Barbarians in 5th Edition. If you wear armor, you lose, so you have a, like yeah. a built-in bonus. As okay, so even though like in the 5e I have a proficiency with light or medium armor, am I okay not wearing armor? Yeah, because if you don't wear armor, you add your constitution modifier to your AC. Okay, so wearing my just leather vest open and yep. my pants is appropriate? Yeah, well, so, that's stylish. It doesn't provide any protection, right? Yeah, because... It doesn't get style Constitution... Protection. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, constitution depends on who approaches it, I guess. Add yeah. With no flare? armor. Gotcha. Do I guess flare. That's it. <laughs> do you need flare. to know which spells I've prepared? No, you do. Okay. I, I don't actually you. I don't, yeah. As far as the cantrips go, just you cast them when you want, right? And then um and that to me was one of the beautiful things about the uh spell casting in fifth edition, cantrips. That means as a wizard, you never actually have to use the quarter staff. You can actually use your spells all the time, yep. every time. That's, that's that is awesome. that is a beautiful thing. A wizard can actually cast spells when they want because that's their well. And and we increase their hit points to d six instead of d four. <laughs> yeah, you live a little longer too. Uh, so I, actually, for that matter, everyone should know where your hit points are on your sheet because we're about to well use might them? be using those. Let's put it that way. Um, 
Anything else that you want to have um, done with your character before we go? Ashley will uh, will have had a set of manacles. Um, they, they're they're multi-purpose. Sure, they are. Sure, they are. Okay. Where? Anything else? Anybody else? Can somebody help me locate my hit point? Oh, there it is. Found it. Never mind. <laughs> the spot that says hit point. The, the spot that says hit points. Rock on, brother. Um. And I'm thinking of things like, for example, we're not in Dungeon World, so if you're thinking of things like adventuring gear, you need those things. So at least write them down. We'll do, at least to start, we'll keep some track of inventory. I I guess what what I'd recommend is look in the player's handbook and look at uh, an equipment. It says either A, a scholar's pack, or B, an explorer's pack. And then just look that up in the items whenever you get the chance. Like that's for wizards um, and rogues and so on. They yeah. all have different packs. Because you would have starting gear. Yeah, exactly. Everyone would have starting gear. I just didn't put it down <coughs> on that sheet I created. I just did it so we'd have numbers to get started because that's really what matters the most. But what I'm thinking here is if we get inside of a building and someone says, I want a torch, someone's going to have one. Yeah. But it'd be nice to have that on your sheet. Let's do that. Um, a torch, a candle, a rope, or whatever. Right. So I have an explorer's pack. Okay. All right. We'll figure out exactly what's in there. Is that what? Barbarian. They, four javelins and an explorer's pack, it says. There you go. So in you're, addition to anything else, so you're quite bristly. <laughs> Mickey, your mic you're is a little porky There she is. I'm back. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Sexy flip. I got to figure out what a rogue has, too. I think Do you I'm have go the extra player's handbook, Kurt? Mm-hmm. The... Um, so I'll give you a little bit of the old fishery as you approach. So anybody who, whose character might be native to the area may have been familiar with this building. It's, but it is, a, um, it is a creaking, decrepit building, but it remains solid. Um, looks like it'll be a few years before it falls apart. But it is next to an abandoned warehouse up on um, Pier, West Pier 17. Uh, the building itself is all wood. It's right on the water. Uh, well, you know, the front of it's on the land, the back of it's over the water. And uh, you can see that there looks like um, uh, a boat lashed to the back of the building in the back. And the boat's probably been there forever. So it's most likely not seaworthy. As you approach the building, the front doors, uh, there's a reek of brine and the stink of weak dead fish hanging thickly in the air here. The old double doors in the side of the weathered building are tightly closed with a drooping signpost hanging above. The sign it once displayed is long gone, leaving behind only a single short length of rusted chain. Pretty, so you are at the, the front, yeah, the, the double doors of the building. Um, and along the left-hand side is a uh, loading dock. Um, and you can see that right from the road, so I'll tell you that is a 15-foot-wide loading dock abutting the side of the building. A few carts sit nearby, partially loaded with large tar-caked barrels marked with a fish-shaped splotch. Fish-shaped splotch is fun to say. Of red paint on the side, so a fish-shaped splotch of red paint. Double doors to the immediate south of the loading dock's ramp provide access to the building's interior, while a rickety flight of stairs descends 10 feet to a point just 3 feet over the river surface. So what we're talking about here is a, it's like a deck, a dock on the side of the building with stairs that go down to the river surface. Um, and there's, you can see a simple uh, single door down there. 
So you have a double doors at the front of the building, like the main entrance type of thing, and then there's a double doors um, where the dock is, a 15-foot wide dock, and a single door down at the river level. Nobody's working right now? Uh, you can hear noises, but the place appears to be locked. And so we're, this is off off uh, adventure a little bit. We're level one adventure, yep. so we should be a little nervous going in here. We're not well, like, you, superheroes. You nervous? Yeah, no, Crispin no, but, be nervous? Well, that's I what I'm trying not. to think about how to play yeah. him, because on the one hand, he's cocky and crazy and a barbarian. Yeah. On the other hand, like he's level one. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know he's level one. It's well. one. Of, it's one of those where you're probably painfully aware, looking at your character sheet, that any one hit might put your character down. However, um, one of your hits also puts the bad guys down. So it's the same idea that you probably get into the bar fight, and it's you know, two hits, me hitting you, you hitting the floor, kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's. Wow. Can I take a moment to like take Sorry, in the Nikki. surroundings and look around to see if um, yeah. there's anyone either watching us as we approach this building? Yes. Let's do a perception check. All right. And we Roll all have those D. numbers there. Yeah. Ooh, I see an 18 on my die. That's probably a good thing because perception, my is, perception is plus two. So a 20. No, perception is wisdom. Yes, because investigation is intelligence. Okay. Um, from what you can tell, nobody has watched your approach. And the building is, everything is grime and slime covered. So you can't see in, in any windows and nobody is seeing out to see you either. They can't see me. I can't see them. Yeah. Can't see me. So, so at this point, as far as you can tell, you guys have approached the building with nobody really paying any attention to you and nobody aware of your presence. Excellent. And you're very confident of that. I would share that with the group. And there's the front entrance. We, yeah. Did we, uh, when she looked around, did she see any other entrances or windows? You know what, let me. Go through? <laughs> this is stupid because it, it's east is north on this paper. This, this side of the paper doesn't have anything secret. So please don't flip it over. But this is just going to make it easier on you guys. Um, so you have seen A1 and A2 from the main road. And that is the double doors on the front, the double doors on the side, and the single door down the stairs. Now, the building is that size. You could probably guess the size of the rooms inside, and that piece of paper doesn't give anything away to you. But which doors would you go into? Or, or how do you want to enter it? Let's put it that way. How about yes. the single door at the back? Yeah, do you guys want to go around back? And so the, the double, let me, let me um, recap a little here. The double doors on the front are locked. Um, and on the, the left side by the map, on the loading dock, that's where A2 is, the double doors are, are just ajar, slightly ajar. So, so you, can, you could probably peek inside if you want. I mean, I, I could always try to pick the lock as well. The front door, yeah. Yeah, because no one will think it's suspicious that a group of people are standing yeah, I mean, out in front of a door and well, picking it. Yeah, if a door's already open, let's, you know, let's go take a peek in there. So when you look inside that room um, from the, where the door is open, excuse me, as you get your face closer, the stink of uh, the room, which is a mixture of fish and sweat, is enough to make your eyes water. Uh, to the east, so if you look on that, that map, it's up. Um, but to the east, 
A large wooden trough holds a hideous mound of half-rancid fish, seaweed, and brine. Filthy river water and fish blood stain the floor around this trough, and a pair of wooden chutes leads from the trough through holes in the eastern wall to a larger room beyond. To the west, is, to the west a desk and chair sit in one corner, and there are four uh, children here toiling away with uh, pitchforks, grabbing the chum and throwing it into, the, into a chute. Looks like you might get to punch a child in the face after all. <laughs> children. This so that's what you see going on in there. The children working. Yeah. I'd be since we haven't seen any adults yet. I'd be inclined to kind of keep creeping around the building to see if there's any other access points or see if there's anything guards yeah. that we should be aware of before we just go inside. Is this but, normal for? Gedron Lamb's kind of... Oh, yeah, he, he, he only uses children because... So it's just him and children can't all fight rest back. kids. Oh. Children can't fight back, man. Well, he usually has a couple thugs that work for him as well. Okay, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. If it yeah. really is just him and a bunch of kids. <laughs> a bunch of thugs, too. Um, right. So you're around the building? Yeah, I think we want him kind of... I, I would want him back or downstairs. downstairs. Yeah. These well, you guys haven't gone inside yet. No, no, no I'm talking about... Yeah. So that single door... At the at the bottom of the stairs for A two, which is the dock, that single door is locked. Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. You okay? see anybody on the ship? So we're from back there? near the ship now, kind of. Yeah, oh, yeah. We we said the ship was so dilapidated it doesn't look like it's been used in quite some time. Well, it doesn't look like it's seaworthy. Whether it's, oh, okay. it, it's not used as a ship, it looks okay. like it's part of the building now. Okay, it's been there. attached to it. What do you think? Sleeping quarters on the ship? Should we be careful that we won't get? Um, Boxed in. That's right. Hang out. Hang I'll, out I'll watch the, the ship if you want to work that door. Yeah. I'm not going to go on there by myself yet, but I'll I'll keep an eye out here okay. while you work that door. But I agree with the lady that we probably need to check that ship out as well. Well, we could walk around the back. So here's one, JJ, where you might have the rules better on hand, but you do have thieves tools and you should have proficiency in them. Yep. So I don't know what that number is actually for you. I so think your proficiency I, I use sleight of hand, I believe. To pick locks. So my um, understanding with the tools was you use the skill modifier, or the ability modifier, plus the tool modifier. So I thought it was dexterity plus whatever proficiency you have in the tool. But I don't know that for sure. So proficiency with the tools that? allows you to add your proficiency bonus to any ability checks you make to disarm traps or locks. However, okay. the ability check required is sleight of hand. So I basically having proficiency in the tools... Allows me to add two to my sleight of hand check. Let's do that then. And I have your DC because they tell me right here how difficult that I rolled a one is. Oh, uh, that's a level one roll right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, I think you're muted. Broke. Oh his yeah, he's <laughs> he muted. I was muted because I'm stuck in my fist. So yeah, well, as you as you try and pick the door with your big toe. It yeah. apparently does. No, 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 it was just my toenail. I, like, my thieves tore are my toenails. <laughs> I chew my toenail off and stick it in the lock. And I chew in different patterns based on what I think the lock is. You need to get some fresher toenails there, buddy. But anyway, Gross. no. The, you're not able to open that lock. Perhaps we should go around to the back and check out the vessel. Yeah, you, you, so you want to go around to the front side of the building yes. and then come I'm a fan of the rear entrance. You know what I mean. <laughs> so you want to go what is on the map down that A3? Is that what you're talking about? Going down the A-hole. Are, are, yep. Now, are we being sneaky coming around those places, or are we just kind of <laughs> traipsing along? So the way I've worded it already is there are windows, but you can't see in. They can't see out. Okay. 
Um, and there's plenty of noise here okay. that you don't necessarily need to make an effort to be sneaky. The noises of the industry. Yeah. The only thing that you would be spotted by is someone outside, and there's really nobody walking around outside. Fair enough. Can I press the right, yeah, so let's, let's try to go, go down A3 then. A3 Can you is. Say that one more time, maybe? Press the digitate one of the windows to look so in. So, like, clean it? Yeah, just to look in. Do you want to do that before we go to that A3 or not? So, we're right here right now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back yeah. up around and come to You have way. seen inside A7. That's the only room you have seen in. I would like to see it. Since we didn't have an opportunity to unlock, I would ask the party this. So, thank you, Ashley, for your attempt it's a uh, tricky lock. You, you want to try? I'm certain it is. No, I, okay. I understand. Everything is covered in fish slime and stuff, too, so maybe that made it more difficult. Yeah, I'm not yeah. touching anything. My it clothes pretty are icky. fine. So do you want me to try to clean a little bit of this window so that we could look inside? Let's just go to the boat and see what's going on. All right. They want to just go to the boat. All right. So A3 is a slippery boardwalk clinging to the side of the fishery held together by barnacle-encrusted pilings that have ha- that have had half of their thickness worn away below the waterline, twelve feet below. Um, the boardwalk is about thirteen feet above the water, but slopes downward as it approaches the ship to the east, which again is up on the map, um, where it stands about ten feet above the water. The dock is very slippery, and you can tell if you moved quickly at all, you might you you would probably fall. Ew. Uh, Fish guts. And as long as you keep evenly spaced, you're pretty sure that the, uh, let's say evenly spaced, far spaced apart from each other, um, you're pretty sure the boards will hold under your weight. And that leads you back towards the ship. And at the ship, you see, let me get to the right page here. As a, as a pre-published adventure, I have to find the right spot. All right, so you get to the ship. And it looks like the, the deck of the ship is um, rotten and barely intact. The hull is worn and, thick, and uh, thick with seaweed and barnacles. And it looks like it's held together primarily by the layers of old rope that lash it to the pilings that support the fishery and the nearby boardwalk. The rickety walkway leads along the ship's starboard a foot below its railing. And a single wooden door leading into the aft cabin bears a crude painting of a red fish on its surface. So that would be... Uh, <coughs> If you are there at the boat and you can see up to the top, that's that one door in between what is A9 and A10 on the map. That's that single door. The door locked. You'd have to go up to it. Let's do it. So you guys are going to go on to the... uh, Now, is there like a gangplank or do we got to kind of jump from the... Or is the the pier um, like... It's the the walkway itself is only a foot below the railing. Okay, then right. yeah. So the only one who might have a problem with it is Crispin. Yeah, because that's you know, that's <laughs> a jump for a three foot tall guy. Well, how tall is Crispin? Did we establish that? I Just mean, out of curiosity, I think a halfling in D anD D is three and a half feet ish. Yeah, I'd be on the bigger side of halfling, so maybe okay. we could go maybe we go four feet. You'd be a three quarterling. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, but that would be an interesting thing to know. It, only because when we talk about something like this, where right. this is one foot below the railing, right. that's if that's up to your waist, that's something, right? <laughs> Four foot nothing. I'll for others, it, it might not even be up to their knees, and for you, it might be up to your waist. Right. Uh, however, it is easy enough to step over, and you would be stepping over that onto, uh, that's A9. Yep. That's the spot that I was just talking about. 
Um, and you want to check that door, you said. Uh, let me just make sure here. All right, so when you get onto... Average about three feet tall. Yeah, between about. two and four feet tall for small races, averaging three. So you so want to go four? four? Yeah, I want to go How about 311? Sounds fine. Give <laughs> me... <laughs> <laughs> And I'll always insist that I'm four feet tall. Exactly. <laughs> you wear lifts. Greg would be like, no, I'm 3'11 the whole way. Four feet, damn you! <laughs> he has it marked like on his arm where 3'11 yeah. is so he can just stand next to you and <laughs> this is all you are, man. You could spike your hair or something. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, so in you, you get onto A9, which is the deck, and you want to go into that door. Is that what you said? Yes. I guess we're checking Check to see door. if it's locked. Yeah. It is not locked. At least insofar as there is nothing about the door being locked. Perhaps we should listen. Yeah? You want to listen at the door? Yeah, that sounds sure. perceptive. Let's see if you can percept anything. <laughs> Probably not a seven because, you know, <laughs> it's loud out here with the waves. Yeah, I would say. Um, you don't hear anything on the other side except for, you know, muffled sounds of waves. Light waves, because it's a river, so it's more Try like the knob. current waves. Uh, the door opens. I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Definitely something fishy going on here. <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. I yeah. get it, the whole place. Give me a gold piece. This the air in this room is thick and musty. Thick sheets of cobwebs hang from the walls, and mounds of blankets, cushions, and straw clutter the floor. To the south, a narrow flight of stairs leads down into the ship's hold. Ooh, da -da. stuff's always down there's. Yeah, one-eyed Willie's treasure. Let's go get it. Okay, who's going in first? I want, I want really to search the. Uh, I want to search the room first. Who's, who's going in first? I am. Okay, so when you go in, we roll initiative. Whoa! I, <laughs> <laughs> you can speak up just as we're about to roll, Mickey. It's said, okay. "Is that is it a really a good idea to walk in there without scoping it at first? And he goes, "No, I'm walking in." <laughs> I'm there, man. How are we supposed to scope it out? There's no sight in. Uh huh. No windows. Oh, great roll, Kurt. <laughs> Ooh, hey, <laughs> matching roll four. Oh, oh I rolled yeah. Like crap. All right. Um. So, do we have a marker for the table one. here? Five. Do we have a marker for the table here. Uh, right down no, I, I, I didn't there. put one out there, but Mickey it. has them down on her uh, right-hand side there. We can use that. That works. Oh, sweet. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Excuse 13. Eight. Eight, he says. Kurt, five? Five. Four plus one. Um, Eleven. Uh, mine is... Uh, 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 Oh, just a moment here. Dang it. Initiative is... Okay, um, 20. Ooh. Yeah. You go into something's lair, what's going to happen, right? I mean, right? come on. Oh, we're going to be sleeping? That's what's going to happen. It's it early. It's still morning. This guy sleeps uh, in. He's a partier. Of course, it also helps that I roll an 18. So. Yeah. yeah definitely works out. What are you going to do? Um, dice are not working out for me. Oh, yeah, it's As you step in, actually, do I? Am I first in initiative? Yes. You are. All right. As you step in, a brown spider with, whose body is the size of a fist leaps forward and um, has long, spindly legs and oversized fangs, and it attacks you. The size um, of a fist? Yeah, fist, fist-sized body. 
<laughs> so with the legs, what would that be? I don't know. A foot or so? Yeah. It's like one of those camels. So it's spiders. not a giant spider. It's, it's like not the size of a no. cat. It's like a camel uh, spider. Technically, for the purposes of this adventure, it is a drain spider. Drain spider? Yes. <laughs> That's disgusting. Drains the life. <laughs> Keep it away from me. It does. It does. Um, so it is going to attack you with a bite uh, 17. Eek. That will hit. A 17 will hit. That's going to leave uh, a mark. It's going to hit everything and everything. All right. Well, you know, actually, this is a tricky one because it doesn't do damage. It does poison. So you have to do a uh, constitution save. What is your constitution? That's number four on my thing, so I got a five. Oh, good gosh. That's not going to do it because the DC is ten. I think your dice needs to go up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The rule of law. Rule of law. It'll it'll, it'll be better when it matters. The rule of random law. All right. So here's what's going to happen. Um... Once per round, round for the next four rounds, you will lose one strength. Okay. The cure is a save against it on your turn. Okay. Wow. Okay. And you'll be able to save at the end of your next turn, right? So at the beginning of the turn, you lose one strength. Okay. All right. So the spider leapt forward and attacked you. Now proceed in initiative. It is Tana's turn. Oh, gosh. Acid splash at that spider. Sounds like a plan. Don't miss. Uh, what does that This boat's like? not doing too good already. That's I know, a good right? point. So <laughs> this is a cantrip, uh, range 60 feet. We'll be in the drink before I you know. I hurl a bubble of acid. I choose one creature within range, range of 60 feet, as mm-hmm. I said. No problem. Or two creatures within range that are within five feet of each other. Oh, you could hard. choose Ashley as well. I could, but I won't. <laughs> the target must succeed on a deck saving throw or take 1d6 acid damage. And well, let's try that. So you throw an acid bubble? Yeah, acid bubble. We my DC woman. is <laughs> blink, 8 blink, blink. plus my proficiency bonus plus my oh intelligence my. modifier. So 13. Where's the proficiency bonus on this thing? Proficiency bonus is always it's already on, on the character sheet. sheet. Yeah, Right here, proficiency bonus. Oh, so it's two. always going to be 2 until we get to 3rd level, and then it's going to be 3. Mm-hmm. So two plus my intelligence modifier, which is this guy. Yep. So that's five plus eight, thirteen. Nope. Yeah. Five plus eight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope. Yeah. Five plus eight is thirteen. Yep. Okay, I have an eleven. You failed. Failed. Okay. So there's a f- 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 fail. So it gets one d six damage. Do you want me to roll it, it or is. do you want to roll it? That's all <laughs> you, man. You We're do the damage. I let you roll it. That way, when it's low, it's not my fault. Three. 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 Okay, so you got three damage to the spider. And it hisses and pulls away from Ashley, but looks like it could probably still attack somebody. Saved your life. Greg. Greg. I will try to stab it with my rapier. Rapier. Charge in and attack it. You gotta rape the spider. What? <laughs> I mentioned it earlier. I hope everybody was paying attention. <laughs> it's a trait now. Twenty-two. Nice. Oh, twenty-two oh, will hit. Go ahead and give me that damage. Uh, oh yes. Damage is eight. Eight. Um, Stabby stab. Yeah, it's uh, the icky greenish ichor from inside the spider, which is still icker because it's icky. Um, it comes out on your blade, and the spider expires. <sighs> Is there anything that I can wipe it off in here? Well, Ashley's there. All right. <laughs> um, te- technically, that room, like I was describing, it is 
Um, there's thick sheets of cobwebs from the walls and mounds of blankets, cushions, and straw cluttering mounds the floor. Mounds of blankets. So, yeah. Do we Plenty need a picture of that? Or you want there is 100. Up? We're going to take it as is out of the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start it as that's 100 experience. Total. Yes, it is. Okay. That monster was 100 experience. Okay. And you killed wrote it. a 19 for the save. Yes. So you will be down one. Strength. Actually, you know what? I'm going to read this a little different because the description says cure is one save. Okay. So you will be cured once you have saved. Okay. It's and a that's little, a, it's a little spot, relatively right. Little it's spot. a pathfinder thing. So, yeah. yeah. Are you gonna be a little more careful when you walk into rooms going forward? Probably not. I mean, how many rooms have spiders? Okay. <laughs> Let, she turns to the party. And goes next time. Let's stop for some healing potions. That could work next mm-hmm. time. But so far, no damage has been done. That's pretty good. Yes. I, I, I would like to search threw, the room. It threw me off when I looked at the monster because its damage is 1d3 minus 3. <laughs> poison. So you get poisoned. It doesn't actually hurt. Oh. You will just eventually die of negative strength, I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, maybe you don't actually die, but the whole point of the monster is to weaken you. Yeah. So that it can eventually you. Because you feel drained, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Drain, yeah. spider. Yeah. Um, did you say? Did someone say loot the body? Or? I want to search the room. <laughs> loot the search body. Search the room. Um, nothing else in the room, except, for the except that the you know mounds of blankets, cushions, and straw cluttering, and there is that narrow flight of stairs that lead down to the what should be the ship's hold because well that's yes. what stairs going down in the ship do. Mm. All right, guys, quietly. Before we do that, Ladies should first. we send some light down there? It, it might be no, dark down there. I don't want to there. warn anything if we're going to come down. Is it dark down there? Uh, I would say, yeah, it has to be. It doesn't specifically say it here, but it's a stairway that leads down into a ship's hold. I and they got some candles burning. Yeah, it's going to be dark. All right, the stairway down is dark. How about that? Okay. We'll just make it clear. I got some candles. I also okay. have a candle. I've got torches. We've got a wizard who probably knows light. I have a hooded lantern. And light is a cantrip. It I also is. have Another light nice as a cantrip as well. Ah, very nice. But, you know. Uh-huh. So, so would you mind casting your 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 light thingy on my candle inside my hooded lantern? You want me to cast light thingy inside the candle <laughs> onto the candle inside your hooded lantern? That way, I can close the thing said. and we can we can we can end the light. <laughs> That's a euphemism if I ever heard one. I was going to say this is uh, <laughs> There's a lot of double entendres here. Strobes. Sure, I will light your thingy. Touch my candle. <laughs> touch it. You want me to touch your candle? Touch so it. I don't know you well enough to touch your candle. We're going. We're going down. We're going down to a eleven. Which you guys don't flip the paper over because it's important that you don't flip it over. <laughs> okay. All right. But the, you're going down below on okay. the ship. Um, dark and dank. The ship's hold smells of mildew. Several barrels, crates, and other containers lie stacked here and there. Dusk. Dust and crime cover the floor, except where river water has collected in puddles. Oh, gross. Yeah. Don't step in that. It's so yucky. I will cast the light about. So it's in a hooded lantern. So who's going in first? I will. Let's roll initiative. Oh, wonderful. And that nice. is where we will pick up our next episode. Oh, hey, Mickey, look what I just rolled. Oh, I got a 20 that time. So we're going to go pick again. up initiative with another group um, of combatants, and this time you see several spiders jump out from the shadows oh, damn at it. the first person who enters the room. Mm. Jeez.
Awesome. But in the meantime, we will wrap up this first episode of our Curse of the Crimson Throne 5th edition campaign. And we can all say... Riva Ciao. Merci for listening. Bye, everyone. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. 